theology is a discipline of the knees more than it is of the seat of the pants. And so if you're not praying, you're not going to get very far in understanding. You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable Podcast, Episode 67, Three Prayers You Might Not Be Praying and Why You Should Start Praying Them. If you're not praying, you're not going to get very far in understanding your faith or being able to help others grow in theirs. Historical theologian Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio suggests three prayers of the church to help you deepen your own prayer life and help others deepen their prayer lives as well. Listen and come away with a better grasp of the church's teaching on prayer, as well as several very practical ways to incorporate these three specific prayers into your own life and ministry. Welcome back to another episode of the Ascension Roundtable. Today's guest we have with us here in studio, we have Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, otherwise known as Dr. Italy. He is here from Dallas, Texas, and he's going to be speaking with us today about three prayers you may not be praying, but maybe you should start. So thank you, Dr. Italy, for joining us. My pleasure to be here. Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio is a historical theologian, but he has a passion, uh, especially for pastoral ministry. He helps develop and train and teach a lot of people who work, go on to work in different fields of ministry, whether that be in the diaconate or as adult faith formation, uh, leaders of adult faith formation, DREs. So he's got a lot of experience, not just reading and writing, but really helping to form and uh, minister to other people in ministry. He has a ministry called the Crossroads Initiative, and you can find out more um about the Crossroads Initiative at www.dritaly.com. It's really easy to remember. Or at crossroadsinitiative.com. And on that site, you'll find tons of free resources, um, free podcasts, some free video content, free blogs. Um, it's just a fantastic resource for anybody who is working in ministry or who's just seeking to learn more about their faith and the richness of their Catholic heritage. So can you tell us a little bit more about some of the things you do with the Crossroads Initiative? Yeah, I try to get people excited about their faith. So we learn, but it's learning that's applicable to everyday life to advance us in discipleship, advance us in being a people who are missionary disciples, who are effectively serving out there. So the fullness of the Catholic tradition in a practical application kind of approach. Awesome. So we are going to speak a little bit today about some of the church's tradition when it comes to prayer and understanding how we can adopt and discern the types of prayer that will be most fruitful in our lives, um, and then how we can help other people deepen their own prayer life. So before we get started with the three prayers that we want to tell our listeners a little bit more about, um, Dr. Jambrosio, can you tell us just a little bit more about what does the church teach us about prayer? And the different types of prayer and how to how to differentiate between something like a devotion or something like liturgical prayer. Okay. Well, I'll just say that for a long, 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 long time, from the fall of Rome until really about 100 years ago, Catholics were really limited in the Western world on how they could pray because most people couldn't read. And the language of the liturgy was not a language they knew 
well, uh, was Latin. And people didn't speak everyday Latin. So devotional prayers, short, simple, memorized prayers became um, much, much more central and important uh, for most people. Even many religious, there are many religious who couldn't read, believe it or not. Many priests, it's sad to say, up until the time of the Council of Trent, couldn't read very well. And we're, not, we're just not in touch with that. So memorized devotional prayers became, um, it took on a weight that they, they shouldn't have, and, and they had to. Um, so we got literacy. We have um, you know, now the ability, at least, to do the liturgy in the vernacular language. And so the Second Vatican Council wanted to make a shift. They wanted to, once again, make the liturgy central in life. And liturgy is not just the Mass. The Mass is at the apex of the liturgy. Liturgy includes the liturgy of the hours. It includes the blessing services of the Church called the sacramentals. It includes also all the sacraments— and it includes the liturgical year, the day in and day out at living of the seasons and the saints' days. And the liturgy of the hours is meant to really be the prayer of the church. It had become just prayer for priests and religious, um, understandably so when people can't read or when it's in Latin. Now it's in the vernacular. Uh, but that was one of the key ideas of the council was to restore liturgy as central and all the beautiful devotions like the rosary, like the stations of the cross. These are beautiful, but they need to flow from the liturgy and back into the liturgy. That's a very clear directive of the council. So, how how could those prayers then flow from the liturgy and back into the liturgy? Something like the rosary, for example. Well, for example, very simply in the seasons of Lent um, and the, the seasons of Advent, obviously praying the, the sorrowful mysteries in Lent help feed into the season. Every Friday— I pray the Sorrowful Mysteries because Friday, liturgically, is a day we remember the Lord's Passion. Every Sunday is a day we remember His Resurrection. It's a mini-Easter. That's part of the liturgy and the rhythm of the liturgy. So let's make the rosary fit into that, for example. Another idea is the stations. A great time to do the stations anytime is, is Friday, but especially during this penitential season of Lent. So th- those are just different ways to use the rosary and the stations in a way that sinks into the liturgical year and doesn't displace it or take the place of it. So the the Second Vatican Council really wanted to make this shift. Where do you see you know, the typical American Catholic parish? How well do you see that parish embracing some of those, um, some of that movement or some of that shift that the Second Vatican Council was hoping to inspire within the church? Well, there's been a great success in, for example, making the liturgy more central. You know, and one of the things people have to understand is before the Second Vatican Council, lots of folks would say the rosary during Mass. Um, you know, Mass in the extraordinary form, you're, you don't really hear the Eucharistic prayer. So lots of times people would attend Mass and not participate so much. They'd be doing devotions during Mass to pass the time while they were attending. So we see now that certainly Catholics are much more participatory in the Mass itself, whether it's the ordinary form or people going to extraordinary form. They're, they're following the Mass. They're participating in the prayers of the Mass. Good. One of the areas where we've not done what the Council has asked is making the Liturgy of the Hours once again the public prayer of the Church. The Council wanted to see that taught, wanted to see it actually happening in parishes, at least Vespers on Sundays and feast days, you know, and that's generally not 
happened in most churches. So if you want to go to the Liturgy of the Hours happening publicly in most places, you go to a monastery um, and participate with the monks. So there's still kind of an idea in the in the minds of most Catholics that Liturgy of the Hours is optional. It may be one prayer among many, or it's for the priests and religious mainly, and may now deacons, permanent deacons. But it, it, it's not successfully become the way it should be, the prayer of the church, the rhythm of the church's life. Um, there are some parishes, very, very minor, where instead of meetings forming the, the rhythm of parish life, there are the liturgy of the hours. And that's what the council kind of had in mind. So in an evening meeting, maybe starting with Vespers, only takes 10, 15 minutes, or closing with Compline. That's the kind of thing the council had in mind that really hasn't happened quite yet. So that actually leads us into our three prayers that you might not be praying, but maybe you should start. So actually, the first of those prayers as we were brainstorming together um, was the divine office. So can you maybe just give an overview of what is the divine office and how people can start maybe taking baby steps towards bringing that into their own prayer life and then how they can share that um, in their ministry with others? Sure. First of all, the divine office is the public praise of the church that is the original perpetual adoration. So the saints in heaven, the church on earth, sending up constant praise to God, um, sometimes in the presence of the Eucharist, but sometimes not, you know, sometimes in the midst of daily life. But that flows from the Jerusalem temple. Every morning, every evening, there was a sacrifice in the temple. People would gather there, as we see in Acts of the Apostles, John and Peter going up for the afternoon prayer. They'd gather around the altar in the courtyard of the temple while the priest is sacrificing, the Levites are singing psalms, and the people are following along with the psalms. So morning and evening sacrifice, the backbone of Israel, Israelite life, um, if you're not in Jerusalem, you may go to the synagogue to pray morning and evening prayer at the same time the temple sacrifice is happening. So this is part of Jewish life. Christian life just takes it, invests it with a Christian meaning. Uh, we remember every morning the resurrection of Jesus. In the evening, we remember as the, as the sun goes down that the light of Christ will never set. We do evening prayer or right around sunset. We do night prayer before we go to bed. Midday prayer, we stop in the middle of our work. You know, and a lot of people know the prayer of the Angelus, morning, noon, and evening. Well, this was timed for morning, noon, and evening prayer of the monks. People couldn't really pray um, the, the Psalms because they couldn't read and they didn't know Latin, so they would do the Angelus at the same time the bells were ringing for morning, noon, and evening prayer. So this rhythm is part of church life. And when we pray the Liturgy of the Hours, we're, being, we're participating in the prayer of the whole church. It's a mystical moment where heaven and earth are united. You know, east and west are united. You know, we're, we're praising, we're joining in this chorus. It's a powerful, mystical moment. And the backbone of it is the Psalms, the original prayer book of the church, the, the hymn book of the Jerusalem temple. So I would just like to say practically, it's become so much easier with phone apps. You don't need to have a book, and you don't need to necessarily know how to flip the ribbons to find the right prayers for the day. You open up a, 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 something like Laudate 
or iBrievery. Those are two apps I use. You can get them in the iPhone store or in the Android Google Play store. They're free, but you just set it up so that it brings up today's prayer. And whenever you can, you can pray morning, noon, or evening prayer. And they were designed for people on the go. They were the, the Second Vatican Council renewed the Liturgy of the Hours and reconfigured it to be something that lay people can do who don't, who are not contemplative religious, you know. Um, so it only takes 10 to 15 minutes to do morning prayer. So I would just say when I started, I had a, a monk spiritual director when I was 16. I had started my conversion then. I wanted to pray. He got me into Liturgy of the Hours. He insisted on how important it was. So I started with just morning prayer and the Office of Readings, which is a key, because if you really want to get into the tradition of the Church, you read this Office of Readings, which is one long psalm, one page of the Bible, and one page from the tradition, one of the great fathers of the Church or saints. And that was the way I started my theological education. That's the way I started really imbibing the depth of the Catholic tradition. So I'd encourage everybody out there to consider just using those phone apps to get into, um, just maybe start with one prayer a day, office of readings or morning prayer, or if the evening's better, start with evening prayer or before bed. Um, I, with my kids, when I was little, we sang Compline, and we still do that today when we get together as a family. Um, and it's a beautiful way to to end the day in the comfort of God's embrace and in Our Lady's arms, Mama, who we, we salute at the very end of, of uh, Compline. One of the things that I really liked that you just shared was that you started really, because um, I'm familiar a little bit with your story of growing up, and that you didn't exactly have heavy catechesis or formation throughout your young life as a teen. Um, so it's interesting that you really dove into the church's theological tradition in the con within the context of prayer. And I think so so many people now they see prayer and theological formation as two distinct things. And it sounds like one of the things that you're saying is that, no, they, they're really intended to be one thing, that the church in her wisdom doesn't want dry theological uh, rote exercises separated from this prayerful submission of the Spirit and listening to the Lord. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Sure. First of all, Theology is a discipline of the knees more than it is of the seat of the pants. And so if you're not praying, you're not going to get very far in understanding. I, I believe in order to understand. You know, faith-seeking understanding is what theology is. So you got to start with faith and dialogue and prayer. And theology is naturally uh, a gift um, where the Holy Spirit, through this, the, the gift of understanding that we all receive in baptism and confirmation, you know, this one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit— this is an interior light. The Holy Spirit enables us to understand from the inside, and that that is really a prayerful act, you know. So meditating on Scripture and prayer is the beginning of theology, um, and so you know I'm very really grateful that my whole interest in theology flowed from a conversion. I was a disciple who wanted to pray and I wanted to touch God and experience His voice in prayer, and that led to you know understanding the mysteries of the faith and being fascinated with the richness and beauty that that I found in the writings of the fathers that came right out of this prayer experience of office of readings. Mm -hmm. And so you would say this is not something that you have to be 
an elite Catholic or um, some sort of this is, is you don't have to pass a bunch of levels in your faith to start praying this prayer that it's very simple and accessible. Would you recommend it for um, use with teens or with um, RCIA candidates? Yeah, well, it's the word of God, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about praying the Liturgy of the Hours. You're praying in the inspired words of Scripture. You're, first of all, praying the Psalms, which are the prayer of Christ. You know, they're all prophetic in one way or another. So you're praying with Jesus. Um, these are the. This is where Mary prayed. Mary prayed the Psalms. Joseph prayed the Psalms. So we're praying with Mary, with Jesus, with the whole church in these inspired words, and then we're listening as part of the, the Liturgy of the Hours, short little scripture texts from Paul, you know, and from Revelation and from the Old Testament. So you're getting a beautiful balanced diet of scripture you're being fed as you're praying, which is really awesome, and it's for everybody, you know? This is not advanced. We're not talking Summa Theologica of St. Thomas Aquinas where you need philosophy, you know? This is... You know, this is for everybody. So, yeah, I'd encourage everybody to start with a little bit of the Liturgy of the Hours. Many people are already using the Magnificat, and um, that's kind of an introduction to elements of the Liturgy of the Hours and the Mass. That's a beautiful thing. If you're doing that already, make the next step of actually doing maybe one of the hours during the day, you know, morning prayer, evening prayer. Again, you were saying a lot of times in the morning it's not the best time for some people. For me, it's critical that I get quiet immediately and not start thinking about my to-do list. You know, when I had a bunch of little kids at home, it wasn't as easy. Um, and a lot of times after I put them to bed, it was the easiest time to pray. So it depends what your life is like, you know. But, um, you know, here's something that Pope Francis said that's really cool. He said, you ought to check in with God's Word as often as you check your phone notifications. If you have an app, Liturgy of the Hours on the phone, you, you can do one psalm when you have a minute instead of checking your notifications. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's, that's a simple way to, to do it, integrate it into your life. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would just encourage everybody um, who is interested in, in trying this out within their ministry, um, find somebody who maybe is familiar with praying this and, and maybe pray it with them one time um, just to see, because there, there is... Again, everybody has maybe a slightly different way that they do this, but if you're praying it as a group, it is pretty important that you have some clarity so that everybody feels comfortable and they're not um, flipping back and forth or or trying to um, find the right place to follow along. So don't be afraid to take it really slow and to guide everybody through the the kind of form of um, or the the uh, rhythm of the liturgy of the hours. But really, if you take that time, it becomes, um, at least I've experienced it, it, it to be a really beautiful communal expression of prayer. And that can draw people in, in a group closer together. So that is prayer number one that maybe you want to consider bringing into your ministry or into your own prayer life. Um, what's prayer number two that you might not be praying that could possibly benefit your own relationship with Christ and help you in your ministry? Well, that would be the scriptural rosary. And as people say, what's the scriptural rosary? I thought this rosary was biblical. Well, of course, the rosary is biblical. You know, the prayers are biblical. The Hail Mary um, is a couple of scripture verses with an antiphon added to it, and the Our Father, of course. Um, but let's just take a little step deeper into the what the scriptural rosary is. Um, the scriptural rosary is a little book that uh, was put together and that 
was introduced to me also when I was 16. But what's unique about it is that between each Hail Mary, there's a scripture quote that keeps your mind on the mystery that you're supposed to be meditating on. And the rosary is mainly a meditative prayer. So the Hail Marys and the Our Fathers and the Glory Bees are kind of like tapping your foot to the rhythm of the, of the whole thing and keeping rhythm. But the melody is really the mystery itself. And it's so easy for us to have our minds wandering or to have the same stale old meditation. Um, so the beautiful thing about the scripture rosary is you're getting scripture, which is the heart of each mystery anyway, um, and, and you're keeping your mind on the mystery. So that really, to me, changed the rosary from being something boring, a rote prayer, into being something fascinating and enriching and nourishing. So I began using that, and um, we've done that in our family when the kids were little. Um, and, um, you know, we still use the Scripture Rosary, and I promote it all over the place because I just think it, it, it puts meat on the bones of the mysteries for people. So is there one scriptural rosary out there, or how, yeah. how, how can people pray that? Well, there's a little book. It's put out by Christianica Press, tiny little book that you can put in a back pocket or in a purse. And um, it's available on the Crossroads Initiative website and at most Catholic bookstores. Um, I'm not sure that it's available all over the place on Amazon, but I, I know we make it available, and I take it everywhere I go because I think it's so fruitful. I actually have a a dream to do a, another scripture rosary that I put together that um, would be a supplement to that because, again, you know, if you're praying the same scriptures all the time, it can also get a little bit stale. So anyway, I have um, I've, I have actually half finished a new one that I'm going to uh, release at one point in time down the road. Awesome. And so, again, it might tickle you a little longer than if you're just praying the, the rosary, maybe just a little bit, but you might find that praying one decade becomes more fruitful as a meditation than praying the entire rosary if you're doing it with the scriptural rosary. So something to keep in mind. And one of the fascinating things about it is that um, many, many Protestants that I've known over the years, I've turned on to the scriptural rosary and they've come to love it. because they, they you're kidding. Uh, no. Um, I have a friend who belongs to Rick Warren's church out on the West Coast there. And... Um, she came with me on a Holy Land pilgrimage, and um, and she she we pray the rosary in each place where the mystery happened, and we do it decade by decade. So she bought one of these and did it with us there, and now she every time she has a spare moment, she pulls that out of her purse and does a decade. Can you, you imagine? Decade. Yeah, she loves That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> but see, but see, it makes very very clear that that, the, that this Marian prayer is praying with Mary, meditating on Jesus and on on this truth of. Jesus as contained in Scripture. So it becomes much more understandable to a Protestant who loves Scripture. So there you go. It might not just help you, but it might help your Protestant brothers and sisters. So give it a shot. You can find it on the Crossroads Initiative. Um, but if you just Google it, Scriptural Rosary, you're looking for a little little blue book, a little hardback—is it hardback? It's a little hardback book. Christianica Press is uh, the little outfit that publishes the Scriptural Rosary. Okay. Awesome. And we'll put that in the show notes for our listeners. Number three, the third prayer that you may not be praying, but maybe you should. Is what I consider to be the most inspiring, beautiful act of faith that I've run across in the Catholic tradition. There was a hell-raising playboy of a French soldier back in the 19th century named Charles de Foucauld. 
he was in the French Foreign Legion, had a mistress, scandalized the rest of the officer corps by trying to bring his mistress into <laughs> officer parties. Well, he had a conversion, and um, he fell in love with Jesus and left everything and became a gardener in the Holy Land. <laughs> and then ultimately, um, he started as a hermit in the North African desert. He founded a new form of religious life, um, and they're called the Little Brothers and Sisters of Jesus. But he's now blessed, blessed at Charles de Foucault. And this beautiful act of faith is something I've memorized, and I pray it often. And I encourage you to learn it because it expands Our Lady's fiat most beautifully. Mm. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I will thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Hmm. So, I, yeah, I encourage you to learn that. Um, you can Google that as well and get the text. It's on our website, the dritaly.com. Crossroads Initiative, but it is just a powerful act of faith and surrender. And if you pray that regularly, uh, it's hard to pray and really mean it. Mm. <laughs> <You> <laughs> why? Know, if, I can't imagine why. <laughs> when you're facing suffering, uh, it's very hard. And yeah. Charles E. Foucault did give his life as a martyr um, in the sands of Tamarasset, where he lived in North Africa. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, it, when you give God uh, that kind of permission, you never know where it's going to take you. Mm -hmm. But the point is you thank him for wherever he gives, and it's, it's a pretty challenging thing to do. So there you have it. We have three prayers that you might want to start making part of your own spiritual life and sharing with others in your ministry. We have the the divine office, the liturgy of the hours. So is what would be the correct way to, to refer to it? Is it just liturgy of the hours? Yeah, or? liturgy of the hours okay. or the divine office. And one thing, Marisa, it's really supposed to be communal. So if you start... It, normally you would learn it by just praying it in your parish, but it's not happening the way it should be. So learn it. And then start teaching it and start doing it in groups so that it does become more the prayer of the church and people don't have to figure it out alone. So if maybe um, maybe you start your group with the rosary or end a group with the rosary, maybe this could be once a week, start introducing this as an option um, for that time. And people, again, they might be more comfortable with the rosary, um, but this is a, a great way to expose them to something that is so much the lifeblood of the church. But number two is a scriptural rosary. So that's another option. If you're already praying the rosary in a group, maybe just seek out this, um, seek out a scriptural rosary, whether it's the little blue book that we were talking about or there are other versions online, I think that you can search for. But maybe start with one time a week instead of that, um, instead of the rosary as you normally pray it, just incorporating a little bit more scripture. And then finally, the prayer of Blessed Charles de Foucault. Did I say that right? You did it. And we will have a link to that prayer, the text of that prayer in our show notes as well, which you can find at ascensionpress.com. Click media, click podcasts, and find the latest episode of the Ascension Roundtable. Um, or if you're listening to this in the future, you can find it in the archives. So thank you so much, Dr. Italy, Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, for being here with us today. Well, Marisa Beyer, it was my <laughs> pleasure indeed.
<laughs> and we will have to have you back on maybe in studio or uh, we might have to call you in from Texas at some point in the future. But you can find out more again of Dr. Italy's ministry at dritaly.com. Thank you all for tuning in. Send us your feedback at Ascension Roundtable at ascensionpress.com. And we will be with you next week. God bless. Bye.